Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the church or you want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at thechurchrc.com. Or we would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app. Available for free anywhere you download apps. Now, here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. So with all that said, we're going to be in our first part of our guardrails series today. And I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. And we're going to start out in Psalms 90, verse 12. And then we're going to jump over to Psalm 119. And so Psalm 90, verse 12 says this, Help us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction. And Psalm 119, 105 through 112 says, Truth shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. To live my life by your righteous rules has been my holy and lifelong commitment. I'm bruised and broken, overwhelmed by it all. Breathe life into me again by your living word. Lord, receive my grateful thanks and teach me more of how to please you. Even though my life hangs in the balance, I'll keep following what you've taught me no matter what. The ungodly have done their best to throw me off track. Come on, can somebody say amen? Sometimes that's the way life feels, isn't it? But I'll not deviate from what you've told me to do. Everything you speak to me is like joyous treasure, filling my life with gladness. I have determined in my heart to obey whatever you say fully and forever. Isn't that so good? Uh, Can I pray with you today as we continue our service? Uh, Jesus, we just thank you that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, we just ask that every ear is open and receptive, that every heart is uh, open for your word today, that God, that every person that leaves today is going to leave change in Jesus' name. And everybody who believed it said... Amen. Amen. You know, there's nothing like a slow driver that'll make you want to lose your mind. It's not really my mind, but I think it's Brian's mind. (laughs) I think he thinks that inside of our car, there's a intercom system that talks to all the cars on the road because he's constantly giving them all advice and all the wives said, amen. Right. And so, but for real, have you ever just been in a hurry and it never fails when you're in a hurry, you're going to find the slowest driver on the road, right? Every single time I've got a knack for it. If you're running just a little bit behind, you're going to get behind the slow driver. If you're uh, worried about getting your kids on time, cause you don't want them to be the last person in the carpool line. Come on. You're guaranteed to get behind the slowest driver. Well, Brian has a family member and that's hilarious because everywhere he went when he was alive, he always drove so slow, so slow that he would get pulled over for driving too slow. That's how slow it was. And we would joke that, hey, if you're in a hurry, don't be in too much of a hurry because you'll get behind Uncle Donald and it'll ruin your whole day. Uncle Donald's just out there ruining everybody's day. And so, and to make matters worse, he had two family members that drove slow. So there was Uncle Donald and then he had another family member. Well, this family member felt like his slow driving was really a gift to all people. And he kept telling Brian's cousin, he said, you know, people are just so friendly in this town. Whenever I'm driving around. He said, people are just always waving people. I didn't even know we'll drive by and they just wave. 
So Justin was kind of curious. And so he was riding in the car with him one day and he realized that the people that his uncle was referring to were actually people that were angry and they weren't waving. They were flipping him off as they passed him. But in his poor eyesight, he thought that they were just giving a good wave. How many of you guys know that slow drivers can make you a little bit crazy? You know, I've never thought about guardrails when I'm behind a slow driver. I'm never concerned about my safety when I'm behind a slow driver. You know, whenever Brian and I went to Maui, we uh, did this road called Road to Hana. And if you've ever been to Maui, you know, my friends down here, they did it. They did the road to Hana. So there's two roads to Hana. There's the legal road. And then there's the illegal road. And there's the road you're not supposed to go down. Well, we didn't know because our GPS took us on the illegal road. And what's so illegal about this is you have to honk your horn as you're coming around the corner. And there is no guardrail. There is literally nothing between you and like 500 foot of just dropping into the ocean. No lie. So you honk your horn and then you go around. We can literally hear the monkeys in the trees. Like it was terrifying, hands down, worst drive ever. And the whole time I was just praying, I was like, Jesus, just let us live to get through this. This is like the worst experience ever. So there's two scenarios. There's the one scenario where you don't even feel like you need guardrails. And then there's the other scenario where you wish you had guardrails and there's none, right? You feel completely vulnerable. You feel completely unsafe whenever Brian and I are driving down the road, have you ever seen the guardrails where they're the concrete blocks and they've got the tires up the side? I'm like, how does somebody get the tire marks all the way up the side? Like, how does that happen? Like, are you just driving one day and you're like, I'm going to see if I can use this as a ramp. Like what goes through somebody's mind, right? And so I think about these things and I've found this, that guardrails are one of those things that they're around us all the time. And you never really think about it until you need one. You never really even notice that they're there until all of a sudden you're like, I feel very unsafe when they're not there. And I found this, that you never need guardrails on ordinary streets or ordinary roads. And in fact, in my research, when Brian said we're doing guardrails and he told me that I was preaching, um, I was like, oh. So I started researching guardrails and I found this, that they are strategically placed in areas with high speed, Areas with natural hazards or man-made hazards. And I began to think about in our own lives that we need guardrails in areas of natural hazards, man-made hazards, or maybe just of us own our own just distractions that begin to take in. See, they found that accidents were way less likely causing death with guardrails on high-speed roads. And they realized that when they put them there, that the damage, it may cause damage to the vehicle, but the damage incurred to the vehicle is way less than the damage that would have been incurred to the people inside the vehicle. See, the guardrail doesn't say that there's not going to be any damage done. It's just saying that it's going to save the people who are in the car. And as we enter into this series, I want to talk to you. We're going to talk to you over the next few weeks about different guardrails that we need to have in our lives to keep us living the safe kind of life that God has called us to. And let me just say, maybe you're here and you say, Crystal, I don't need guardrails in my life. Well, that's okay because you don't need them on ordinary streets and on slow speeds. But if you ever start going to the higher places that God's called you to, and if life starts getting really fast, come on, somebody, you better start putting some safeguards in place to make sure that when you get to where you're going, that you're not injured, banged up, and lose everybody in your car along the way. Come on. 
So guardrails are there to direct us and to protect us. And the interesting thing in in researching all of this is that guardrails are put up in place before the accident ever happens. They're there before. You know, I love what my pastor says. The best time to build your faith is not when you need a miracle, but before you need the miracle. See, it's you coming to church, listening to God's word. It's you getting in God's word on Monday through Friday. It's you listening to faith building worship music that's putting the guardrails into your life. See, the best time to build your faith is not when you need a miracle, but before you need a miracle. See, guardrails happen before the accident ever took place. So the first uh, guardrail that I want to talk to you about is man-made obstacles. Man-made obstacles. Quite literally, it says that whenever I research this, that they put guardrails in areas where there is man-made obstacles. So this would include, but isn't limited to, utility poles. Um, culverts, all kinds of things like that. It's to make sure that you're able to travel safely. And I thought about this and in Psalm 119, 110 that we just read, it says the ungodly have done their best to throw me off track, but I will not deviate from what you've told me to do. You know, I think it's so interesting that by the time that you're 17 years old, how many of you are under the age of 17? A few of you. Okay. Randy, I saw you raise your hand. You're a liar. You just lied in church. You're 17 times two. (laughs) Uh, I'm teasing you. Uh, And so by the time you're 17 years old, you've heard, no, you can't, an average of 150,000 times. No, you can't, an average of 150,000 times. That's a whole lot of no, right? But let's contrast it with this. You've heard, yes, you can, only 5,000 times. So which voice do you think is going to be louder in your head? No, you can't or yes, you can. See, man-made obstacles in our life can be from the words that we've been told, the things that we've been told that we can't do. It's amazing how somebody can say something negative to us and we can rehearse it back perfectly to everybody we know. Somebody can tell us something good about ourselves and we can't even remember it at the end of the day. Isn't it amazing how the negative comments, the negative reviews, the negative things that have been said about you, you can rehearse so perfectly. In fact, you'll call up your friends, tell them you won't believe what they said about me, but somebody sends you something nice and you can't even remember exactly what they said. Why? It's because from a young age, we're conditioned to hear, no, you can't more than yes, you can. If you're ever going to get to where God's called you to be, we've got to not, we got to have some guardrails in our lives to not let us get into those man-made obstacles. See, the enemy has done his best to put things, put lies in your mind to tell you how you're not good enough. You're never going to make it. Your business is going to fail. Your marriage is going to end up in divorce, just like your parents. He's constantly telling you everything. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes it gets to a place where I can remember the whispers of my enemies more than I can what God's word says about me. And guys, if we're ever going to do what God's called us to do, we've got to get to a place where we know what God's word says about us. I love this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, whatever course you decide upon, there's always someone to tell you that you are doing it wrong. And everybody who believed it said, amen. How many of you guys know that's the truth? 
Here's the thing is I want to let you know this, that if you find yourself in a series of life where it seems like everybody's telling you how it's not going to work out, you found yourself with some pretty good company. Noah had a whole lot of people telling him that there's no way he could build a boat and there was never going to be a flood. Moses was told by so many people, we're never going to go into the promised land. The enemy is way too great. There's no way we'll be able to do it. Samson was told there's no way that you're going to defeat the enemy. See, every person in the Bible that did great things were also surrounded by a whole lot of people with man-made obstacles telling them all the reasons why it won't work out. But friend, let me tell you, for every one negative word, there's God's word and his word trumps any negative word that you've been told. And there's time for us to put a guardrail and say, I'm not gonna get over there. I'm not gonna listen to it. And I'll just tell you that if you know that people are constantly criticizing you, unfriend them. Why let that come up into your feet and get into your heart? If you find yourself constantly rehearsing the negative things that they say, and every time you get with them, how many of you guys know, like you need an antidepressant after you hang out with some people, right? Well, stop going over to their house for dinner. What are you doing? I'm putting a guardrail up. I'm not going to let myself get into man-made obstacles. There's some people, how many of you guys know that it takes you weeks to get over a lunch with them? Here's the thing. Put a guardrail up in your life. Say, I love you so much, but I, we're not going to be able to have coffee together anymore. I was depressed for two weeks the last time I hung out with you, right? And here's the thing. Is that mean? No. What is it doing? I'm putting up a guardrail. I'm going to make sure that I get to where I'm called to be. Amen. The next thing of man-made obstacles, I believe, is that bad things that have happened to us. We let one bad break, one bad thing become the theme our entire life. Because it didn't work out one time, now we say it won't work out any time. And if we're not careful, that man-made obstacle will get in the back of our head. And all of a sudden we begin to believe that that is the truth. You know, I read something this week that Stephen King, he put his book out to 30 publishers and was declined every single time. 30 publishers. He took his first book and he threw it in the trash. Well, his wife being the woman that she was, she got it out of the trash and she said, you're going to finish this. So he finished the book. His books have now sold 300 million copies. Come on, somebody. Here's the thing is if he would have let that man-made obstacle determine where he was going, we wouldn't have ever had any of his books like him or don't like him. The point is this is quit letting other people determine what you're going to become. Here's the thing is if they can qualify you, they can also disqualify you. And I don't think anybody needs that much control over your destiny. You need to begin to say, God, if you said it, I believe it. That settles it. I don't need anybody to approve of me or not approve of me. I remember I was just first speaking and um, I had gotten done speaking one time at my pastor's church. And we used to have a reception area where we met the guests afterwards. Terrible idea. And we would ask them, (laughs) First rule in church is like, you don't pinpoint your visitors and take them off to a secret room, right? (laughs) Um, And so we'd meet them in there and we'd ask them, you know, how did you like the service? Was it good? You know, hoping they would say yes. And the man looked at me and he looked at my pastor and he said, as long as she ever gets up on that stage and has a microphone ever again, I will never come back here. And my pastor looked at him and said, well, it looks like you're not coming back here. (laughs) And here's the thing. Isn't it sad that that's been almost 10 years ago and I can still tell you what he said? 
Isn't it sad that it's been almost 10 years ago and I can still rehearse those words? And isn't it sad that it's been almost 10 years ago and there's been hundreds more just like him? But here's the thing is if I would have let him disqualify me, then I wouldn't have seen God do all that he's done. Friend, what miracles are you not walking into because you let somebody else, the bad break, the decline of that application, come on. Some of you have got a book sitting on your computer right now and you're so terrified to put it out because somebody told you that you could never write well, that you weren't gifted at it. Friend, I want to tell you that if God put it in your heart, that's all the permission you need to begin to step into it. Maybe some of you have had an idea for a business for a long time and you've wanted to do it, but the lies of your enemies have told you, oh, that'll never work out. I remember when I first started thinking about doing online courses, every person I talked to said, nobody will pay for that. Nobody will sign up. They're all going to laugh at you. I was told time and time again that nobody would sign up. Now I have hundreds of people from all over the world involved in my online leadership class. Why? Because I didn't let the voices of the negative people determine what God called me to do. I put up a guardrail and I said, well, that's okay. If it's not for you, you just stay on that side of the guardrail. As for me, I'm going towards what God's called me to do. Friends, some of you have got to start putting up some good guardrails in your life. And if you don't have have friends that'll build you up, you're, you're at the right place. We have a list full of community groups. You can walk in there and they'll cheer you on. They'll champion you towards your dreams. You need to surround yourself with some people that can tell you, hey, everybody may tell you that it won't work out, but if God told you it will, that's all you need. Amen. I love in John 2, 24 through 25, Jesus is ministering at the start of his ministry. This is so good. And all the people are in love with Jesus. And they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is the best. But I love what it says about Jesus. It says, but Jesus for his part did not trust himself to them because he knew all men. And he did not need anyone to bear witness concerning man, needed no evidence from anyone about man, for he himself knew what was in human nature and he could read men's hearts. See, I love this because even when the people were praising him, Jesus didn't buy into the praise. See, he was the son of God before they even had ever heard him, before they had even found him. See, he was confident in who he was. He didn't need their approval to qualify him. And isn't it good news? Because if he would have needed it back in John chapter 2 and John 21 when he was hanging on the cross, he would have begun to discredit himself. Friend, don't let people's praise and don't let their criticism qualify or disqualify you. The next thing I want to tell you on these man-made obstacles is you'll start to do what everyone else expects of you. If we're not careful, if man-made obstacles is what's qualifying or disqualifying us, then we'll start living our lives doing what everybody else expects of us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But here's the thing is it doesn't say you can do your mom's things. You can do your friend's things. It doesn't say you can do your coworkers' things your employer's things. You can do all things through Christ. So here's the thing is that there is grace for your place in the kingdom. Whatever God's called you to do, he's going to empower you to be able to do it. But if all you're doing is what everybody else wants you to do, come on, you're going to be running into man-made obstacles. Quit trying to live your life for everybody else and start deciding, you know what? This is what God's called me to do. And, and it may, you may not like it. You may not approve of it. But I know this is what God's speaking to me to do. The next thing I want to talk to you about is natural obstacles. 
natural obstacles. In our opening scripture in Psalm 119, 109, it says, even though my life hangs in the balance, I'll keep following what you've taught me no matter what. You know, I think it's interesting here is that the author here of the Psalms is saying, I've already made up my mind, no matter what obstacle comes my way, I'm doing it no matter what. You know, along the journey of doing what God's called you to do, I think the one thing I get asked the most is, well, Crystal, what do you do if God doesn't show up? What do you do if God doesn't do the miracle? What do you do? And I always say this, we only have one plan and that's plan A and that's God shows up no matter what. Like I've already thought about it. I've already thought about all the obstacles and I put a guardrail in my life. And see, here's the thing is that the guardrail literally, when I was setting it out, it keeps them from rocks, cliffs, trees, all kinds of natural obstacles. Here's the thing is life is hard. And sometimes when you're doing what God's called you to do, there's unexpected things that might take you by surprise. But friend, can I tell you that they never take God by surprise? I want you to think about Moses. He leaves out with all the Israelite people. He's got millions of people with him, okay? Think about this. It's hard enough to get my four in the car and us all to agree on what restaurant we're eating. He's leading a million plus people and Pharaoh is hot on his tail coming after him. Now here he comes, he's God's man of power for the hour, right? And what do they do? They show up and there's vast body of water in front of them. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big natural obstacle, right? But what does he do? He asks the Lord, God, what would you have me do? And the Lord says, stretch out your staff. And just like that, God put up holy guardrails on either side and the water stood up and they walked across on dry ground. Come on, somebody. Let me just tell you, there might be some natural obstacles happening in your life, but in a moment of you stretching up your hands in a moment of worship, in a moment of prayer in your house, in a moment of saying, God, I trust you no matter what, all of a sudden, all of heaven goes to work and there's holy guardrails holding up what should destroy you. And what's interesting is when Pharaoh came behind him, the whole sea swallowed up Pharaoh's men. Here's the thing. God created you to walk on top of what would destroy other people. So don't look at what, how it worked out for other people. Don't listen to their stories. Your story is going to be different. Why? Because they weren't anointed to walk through like you do. They weren't anointed to go through like you do. Come on, somebody. See, the Red Sea was no surprise to God. He knew it was coming. But here's the thing is God knew his strength was bigger than any obstacle they would face. He said, hey, Moses, don't worry about it. I got some guardrails I'm going to put up. They're going to protect you on either side. Friend, I don't know what you're going through right now, but God's got guardrails for that marriage. He's got guardrails for that financial situation. He's got guardrails for that sickness. And you're going to find yourself walking through on dry ground, walking on top of what should have devoured you. And when we get to that place in our life, oh my goodness, there's nothing that we can't do. See, God anoints you in trouble, not from trouble. He anoints you in the trouble, not from trouble. The Holy Spirit is called a comforter. You know why he's called a comforter? Because God knew he was going to keep us continuously uncomfortable. You don't need a comforter when you're happy and everything's good, right? You need a comforter when you're a little bit uncomfortable. So the fact that Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, 
us lets me know that we're going to be in situations a lot where we're uncomfortable. Well, Crystal, I'm just in a season of life. I can hear you saying, I'm so uncomfortable. I just don't know how this is going to work out. I'll just challenge you this. You're right in the middle of God's plan. You're right in the middle of what God has for you. He wants you to constantly feel like you're just way over your head. I love what Brian says. He always says, I feel like I get to a place where I've got my head above water and I'm like, God, I finally figured it out. And about that time, God decides to pick him up and throw him out just a little bit further and say, okay, now you can go further. And friend, the same is true in your life. I want you to think back at the things in your life back 10 years ago that took all the faith you had. And now it seems easy, doesn't it? Why? Because God's got you stronger. You've seen that seed part before. You've seen him do those miracles. And the same is true. The same God that brought you victories back there is going to bring you victories right here. Let a guardrail come up and keep you protected from those natural obstacles. Amen. See, things aren't falling apart. Declare that they're just coming together. I hear people say all the time, well, Crystal, I just feel like things are falling apart. Well, you can see it like that, or I'm just an extreme optimist. I just like to think they're all just about to come together. The greatest place for a miracle is when, when you need a miracle, right? So if you say, Crystal, well, we're just in a place where the only option is a miracle. Well, friend, guess what? That's where they were when they needed the loaves and fish multiplied. Their only option in that moment was for a miracle. And you know what God did? He showed up and gave them exactly what they need. The same God that did it for them can do it for you. Don't let a natural obstacle count you out. I love in the Bible, it talks about Samson and it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him when the enemy roared. At the roar of your enemy, God's presence is upon you to do what you could never do on your own. Don't spend all your time looking at the obstacle that you forget that there's a guardrail of God's favor protecting you. The Bible says that he surrounds us with favor as a shield. That means everywhere I go, the natural obstacles, I live outside of them. I live outside the uh, uh, obstacle of the economy or anything of natural logic or reason. Why? Because I'm surrounded with God's favor. The same is true in your life. The next thing is from drifting off, from drifting off. Whenever I was reading through the different reasons that they came up with guardrails, and you guys know if you drive from Roy City to Sulphur Springs, remember when they put up all those guardrails all down the highway, how many there are? And now that's helped so many people save their lives from awful car accidents that have happened. And they found on long tracks of road, that guardrails are so important because on those long tracks of road where there's not many exits, there's not much to look at, they found that the drivers get sleepy. When they get sleepy, they get a little distracted and then all of a sudden they'll veer off the road. And the guardrail's there to protect them from massive uh, damage. And so I'll say this to say, that I think all of us, if we'll just get real honest, the real exciting part in, in following our dreams and, and going after what God's called us to, there's that moment that God tells us, hey, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna start a church or you're gonna start that business. You're gonna start this thing and it's gonna be amazing. And you're so excited, right? But then you start driving down the road. And by mile marker, about a hundred, come on somebody. Now think about this, Moses wandering in the desert for 40 years. That's a long track of road. How many of you guys know, I believe God for something for a week or two. And I'm like, Lord, are you ever going to show up? 
I can't even imagine 40 years. Or how about Abraham? He's in his old age. He's in his 90s when he gives birth to Isaac. That almost seems comical. But here's the thing is he had put some heavy guardrails in his life. And he had decided, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to get weary and veer off. I'm not going to get distracted and go off course. I know exactly what you've called me to do. And I'm not going to veer to the right or to the left. And our opening scripture, Psalm 119, 106, it says, to live my life by your righteous rules has been my holy and lifelong commitment. See, here's the thing is that you don't get to the end of your life living a faith-filled life by accident. You get it by making a conscious decision. Or I'll put it like this. If we all were the size that we wanted to be, come on somebody, because we all know how to eat, right? And we all know that we need to exercise. Can I get a good amen? Man, how many of you guys know it takes a lot of commitment to get sh- get in shape and to get firm? Come on. It takes commitment of doing over and over and over again. The same is true in getting to your destiny with God. It's going to take commitment. It's not what you do one week that counts the most. It's what you're willing to do over and over and over again. I love uh, Pastor Lawrence. He's so great. And he said this an, a long time ago, and it's always stuck with me. He says that God measures our faithfulness in years, not days. And I love that because when you read through the Bible, you hear about men of God like Enoch, and it says that he walked with God for however many years. See, it didn't take into account the days that he had failed, the days where he didn't wake up and read his Bible, the days where he slipped up a little bit. And God looked at the overview of his life. And friend, let me tell you that God's not keeping score of the days you messed up. He's looking at the overview of your life and saying, man, she's got a commitment to know me. Man, look at him. He's a man of prayer. And yeah, it means you mess up some, but that's okay. God measures it in years and not in days. I read a story recently and I thought it was kind of funny. This woman bought a... um, a parrot. And she decided that she just wanted a parrot. Why you would want a parrot? I do not know. I'm not a fan of animals. How many animal people are in here? I'm not an animal person. We have two dogs in our house and uh, yeah. And then Brian got an outdoor cat that he promised me would be an outdoor cat, but it's like an indoor outdoor cat. And so this is, so goes my life. I have animals everywhere. I feel like my house is animal kingdom. Anyways, so this woman, she wanted a parrot because she wanted a parrot that would talk to her. So she goes to the pet store. She gets the cage. Come on. How many of you guys know you can get a free animal, but free animals are never free after you buy the food and the cage and all the stuff. So she gets the cage and all the stuff and she goes home and she starts talking to the parrot. Well, the parrot doesn't talk. So she goes back and she tells the shopkeeper, Hey, listen, the, the parrot's not talking. He goes, well, you need a mirror. Parrots love mirrors. They love to see themselves. So she gets the mirror and she goes home and she sets it up. And then a few days goes by, she's talking to the parrot. The parrot doesn't talk. So she goes back and she says, he's not talking. He goes, Oh, you need a ladder. He just needs a ladder. Get him a ladder and he'll start talking. So she buys the ladder. She goes home, puts up the ladder still doesn't talk. She goes back to the shopkeeper a few days later and says, he's still not talking. He goes, okay, listen, your parrot just needs a swing. Now that it has a swing, a ladder and a mirror, this parrot's going to start talking like crazy. A few days goes by, the woman comes back in. She tells the shopkeeper, she goes, well, my parrot died. And he goes, your parrot died. What happened? Like everything was going so good. You got it the mirror. You got it the ladder. You got it the swing. He goes, did, did the bird ever talk before it died? And she said, yeah, he did talk. He said, do they sell any food at that store you keep going to? 
And I thought about that and I just cracked up laughing. And I thought about how in our own lives, we've got mirrors that we're looking at because we want to look like everybody else. We have ladders that we've built for ourselves trying to climb to the next level of success. We've got the swings that we've put in our lives to try to entertain us. And the one thing we've neglected is our souls. We're so busy doing all the things and we've neglected the most important part and that's our souls. Friend, let me just tell you, this right here is the most important thing you can do. People always tell me, well, Crystal, I don't have time to spend with God. Friend, if you don't have time to spend with God, it's time. It's just, maybe you're just a little bit too busy. Maybe it's time that you kind of slow things down. See, some of you are so stressed out. You're so running with man-made obstacles, living the life everybody else wants you to live, doing everything else that everybody else wants you to do. Some of you are so consumed with work and the natural obstacle of trying to get your business off the ground, trying to go the next level. And the one thing you're neglecting is your family, is your soul. When's the last time you just got quiet? Like no cell phone? I know, crazy, right? No cell phone, no TV, and just got in a place where you just quieted your soul. See, when you start doing that, all of a sudden, everything else, the Bible said, seek ye first in his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. See, some of us are so busy at trying to get success without God, trying to get better finances without God, trying to have a healthy marriage without God, trying to have healthy relationships without God, trying to overcome the financial crisis without God. And friend, you can do all of that, but let me just tell you, you'll find at the end of it, you'll be just like that parrot. You'll have a cage full of all the toys and all the things, but at the end of it, you miss the one part That was the most important part. And I want to challenge you that today, when I was praying for this message, I felt this so strong. I felt like the Lord just saying so strong to my heart that some of you, you're bringing your success to God thinking he's proud. And he's asking you today to come back to your first love. You've been so trying not to become what other people called you and so trying to overcome the natural limitations that you've forgotten the one thing, the most important thing, and that's him. He says, come back to your first love. Come back to that time. Do you remember? I just, when I was praying, he said, I want you to ask him, do you remember when you longed to come into my house? Do you remember that time that you longed to be in my word? He says, I want you to come back to that place. Can I pray for you today as we close our time together? God, we just, we love you. Lord, right now, I thank you, Holy Spirit. You're showing every person the guardrails that need to be up in their life. And Lord, right now, we're, we put everything else ahead. Lord, you're first. We want you more than anything else. We want your mark of well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear those words more than likes on Facebook, comments that we get, the applause of man. Lord, nothing compares like your voice. So, Lord, I thank you for every person in this place. Lord, I thank you that we have hearts that long to know you. Let us not be like the parrot that are climbing our own ladders and entertaining ourselves with our own swings and looking into the mirror of what the world wants us to be. But God, I thank you that we are going to be lovers of God. Lord, your first place, your first place. Jesus, we love you so much.
all we are, we give to you. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com. Thanks and have a great week.